Welcome to The Deep Place on Creativity and Spirituality. Friends, you are listening to Season 3 of The Deep Place Podcast. And in this season, we are going on a journey, the creative journey. My name's Joel McCarrow, and I'll be somewhat of a guide through the strange and wild lands that make up our creative worlds. So would you take my hand, shake the dust, pick up your packs, and let's go. The Deep Place podcast was recorded on the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations, a land that was stolen. As a podcast, we pay our respects to the traditional custodians and storytellers of this land. And we thank Aunty Di Kerr for her blessing to tell stories and poetry on this land. I'm sitting here chatting with the wonderful, incredible Liz Mullaney. Um, it is good to have you on the Deep Place podcast, Liz. It is so nice to be here, Joel. Thank you for having me. No worries. No worries. You are up in Central Coast area of, of New South Wales. Is that right? Yes. Just above Sydney. So, Liz, what are you? Here's my first random question for you. What labels do you put on yourself? There's a nice deep question to start with. Look, we just went straight below the surface. Wow. <laughs> we just get straight in there. <laughs> Um, you do a lot of things. What's the what's the labels that you? Oh give yourself? gosh, there are so many labels. What are the good ones? Uh, the good ones. Let's start with the good ones. So I am a family woman. I've mm. got children. I've got a loving partner. I've got um, what else do I do? I'm a writer. Took me a long time to call myself a writer. Right. Um, and to allow myself to have that kind of label or that description around what I do, because mm. creatively, I think some of us who are creative really struggle to step into their full power in their modality and own it mm. in a way, because it can mm -hmm. feel it can it can feel pretentious, uh, but it's not. It's it's you know I call myself a writer now and. <laughs> That's what I do. The, how long have you been calling yourself a writer for? About five minutes. Um, no. <laughs> a little while now. So maybe a few years, two or three years. Wow. Uh, but okay. I, I have been doing the Practice Co for about nine years now. So it did take me a little while to really allow myself to step into it fully. So let me get yeah. this straight. You run this thing called the Practice Co, which... Uh, in essence, over the last nine years, you are writing reflection, spiritual reflections, meditations, devotion, devotional kind of things on life. Yeah. Writing them. It's all. It's like five days a week they come out. Yeah. Which means you've been writing five days a week, five things that you put out into the world for nine years. And then two years ago, you decide you can call yourself a writer. Is that, <laughs> am I just, is that well, what I'm hearing? We don't that's, have to that's, say that's it like that, but this. yes, essentially that is true. Essentially it is every, it is true. And, and it's actually seven days. We do a, a piece wow. every day. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So just, Sorry about that. Just a little bit more, a <laughs> little bit more. But, um, yes. So essentially you're a full-time writer for nine yes. years that didn't call yourself a writer until yeah. two years ago. That's yeah. massive. What's, why, why could you not call yourself a writer? Oh. And, and we're talking not just for like 
like maybe someone would say, I can't call myself a writer because I just write for myself. Mm. Like I just do a little bit of writing. But you've been writing and you have, um, I don't know what, there's how many, 100,000 or so people on yeah. Instagram that follow the practice yeah. code. Like you're writing for thousands and thousands and thousands of people every single yeah. week. And still this thing that says, no, nah, I'm not a writer. I can't call myself a writer. Gosh. Oh, dear God. Um, I think there's a lot of different reasons why I couldn't. And I'll just touch on a few of them. Um, the, one of the first ones was because I just had such a, a lack of agency for myself. Mm-hmm. I grew up in, it's all about Jesus. We've got to give it all to God. So I used to preach in my local church. My dad was the senior pastor for a long time up until I was about 29. Right. And then we worked for some quite famous people uh, for a few years after that yeah and famous within the christian world famous within the christian world right which i only say that because there was an assumption around what that world would be like and we found it to be very different uh, to what we assumed and i think during all of those different experiences that i had within the local church my confidence was just absolutely shredded to pieces Wow. Uh, and then when I would preach, you know, I'd do a message and the, the stock standard response when people would say, oh, you preached great was it's all about Jesus or glory to God. So I always found it really difficult to receive compliments, accept compliments and then own my own stuff and huh. have any agency about it. And then for the first few years that I did the practice go, I didn't assign my name to any of it either. So wow. the, we just had the Instagram handle. And back then it was called Pocket Fuel and I never used to sign my name off on it. And wow. putting my name to it was was a big thing for me. Huh. Another reason why I think that that happened for me was I found it really difficult to when we left church and deconstructed and sort of started our own spiritual journeys, I was very scared uh, subconsciously, like I probably wouldn't have been able to put my finger on it back then mm. of saying something wrong mm. and being wrong and hurting people and disappointing people mm. and leaving my name off it uh, just allowed me some distance from mm. from that. Mm. And which sounds so screwed up now <laughs> that I go back and visit it. But it was just my And then the other reason, one of the other reasons is because I just wrote. Nobody gave me permission. I didn't have a publisher. I didn't have yeah. an editor. I didn't have somebody saying you're a writer and signing off on it. And I think creatively, a lot of creatives have that struggle, you know, if they're painting, if they're mm. dancing, if they're writing, if they're doing poetry, if they're performing, they can find it really hard to, you know, if nobody else signs them off, if they're not picked up, if they're not professionally successful, yeah, uh, they can find it really difficult to allow themselves to call themselves what they are yeah. so that was another part of it so too. it was like a yeah i mean essentially it sounds like a self-protection like it was you holding this out at a distance is a way to protect yourself from the judgments of others that you found within that christian culture that you're a part yeah. of and then coming out of that like it sounds like that was so ingrained in you yeah. that you had to keep it a distance do you remember when you first started signing it like owning, like this is Liz Mullaney. Do you remember the first time you signed your name to something at all? You may not. Yeah, it was, I had a I had a fight with my husband over it because he was like, <laughs> you got to put your name on it. I'm like, I'm not putting my name to it. And he's like, they, because we started this when Instagram was fairly new as well. Yeah. So um, we went 
viral fairly quickly back when Instagram was really, really new. And then everybody jumped on Instagram. And so we needed to put more you know, of our personality, of our individual selves out there to connect with more people and to stay in with the algorithm and all that. Uh, so Jesse was like, we need your face, we need your name. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is just too much. But I did it and it was like I would post it, push post and then throw my phone across the room and not look at it for, <laughs> for a while, you know, for wow. a few hours. Yeah. Um, but then once we, we also had an app back in the early days called the Pocket Fuel app that we uh, were with another company and we, we built that app with this company and we actually kind of got a little bit royally screwed over right. by them. Right. And I found it difficult to put my name in that app as well. So when, once we were away from that, we built our own app. We own the practice co completely ourselves now. Now I, I, you know, I felt much more comfortable putting my name. Yeah. To it. Yeah, yeah, cool. It sounds so vague. Sorry. No, 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 that's okay. <laughs> but anyway, no, I was just wondering when that began to change for you, and because perhaps it, what yeah. it sounds like to me, and what I actually hear in your. In your writing, like it's still the wrestle that, mm. um, well, I was reading something of yours the other day. Let me read. Don't you love it when someone reads things of your own back to it's you? wild. Like, Screw you. Um, <laughs> I've grappled with imposter syndrome for a long time. I'm good at listening to others. I'm good at encouraging mm. others. I'm good at wisdom yeah. for others. I'm good at understanding concepts, stringing together ideas. Sometimes I'm even good at communicating these ideas en masse. I suck at allowing these things inward toward me. Said therapist, you're talking about mm. your therapist that you went to and said this to, said therapist looked at me and mm. said something along the lines of, stop trying to do something to be someone. Success is well-being, mm. not productivity. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a big thing for, for me. And I think coming out of the type of, I'm not blaming everything on my religious upbringing, but I think, you know, I was a child uh, when my parents became Christians and became a part of the Pentecostal evangelical environment. Yeah. Like I'm, I was about two. <laughs> yeah. and so I grew up with this idea of what I do for God and the kingdom. That's where my value lies. And when you're a child, I think absorbing that sort of messaging, uh, it just, it was so, and then I'm an Enneagram 4. I'm very impressionable I'm mm. empathetic I, I'm a deep deep feeler it has taken me a little while to unravel those well first of all to be able to articulate mm. mm -hmm. those feelings and those things and and figure out why I feel such a schism between uh, doing my work and putting my work out there because I love writing yeah. I love what I do and then I, I almost also when I publish things, and this is one of the reasons why I've gone back to therapy in the last 12 months, is because I would publish something and then just feel humiliated and, sh and wow. ashamed wow. of it yeah. as soon as I would publish it. Even though when I wrote it, I might be crying, I might be loving it, I might be really enjoying doing it. But there, there has been a disconnect between allowing myself to step into it fully and own it. And I'm really thankful that that came up, actually, because I feel like it's... It's just the next piece yeah. in the puzzle for me. Yeah. So, yeah. So why do you, why do you now, like, coming out of that um, culture where there was a whole lot of pressure on you, it sounds like, to, um, and from what I've heard you say before, to 
be, mm. I don't know, to be used by God, to be a, a generation changer, a to change changer. the world, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> it sounds like you've come out of that. Why do you mm. now, why do you now do this thing? Um, like you are co yeah. constantly giving of yourself to this world. Um, why do you do what mm. you do? I love it. Yeah. Uh, and I love writing. I love spiritual exploration mm. and i and i think i love the freedom now of being able to find where i connect to source mm. where i connect to the divine where i feel that this is going to sound weird but where you feel that heavenly vibrational energy yeah. you know when you feel connected to god i suppose some people back in my church experience will call it presence and i love finding those places mm. and since you know, leaving the church and deconstructing, to which I would say you don't need to leave the church and deconstruct to do that. Mm. But I have felt the freedom to explore God in new and different ways and find those places where I personally connect in. And then it really lights me up to help other people. Mm. I don't really see it as helping. I just see it as coming alongside people as they find out for themselves how they connect to source, how they connect to God and mm. or the divine, whatever they want to call God and the you know, the spiritual energies that got this whole thing started and keeps it going. I It just excites me. Mm. So I stay at it and I work at it. Mm. And over time, the work's evolved and, and changed. And I just think I'm in another season of of maybe things evolving and changing and mm. turning into to other things as well. So That's great. Could you share, like you're hinting at some of your story, Could could you share a little bit? more of that like just to give us some context because it's been a massive journey sure. for you um and it, yeah. it sounds like it's a similar journey to what I have been on and probably what a lot of people listening to this like not everyone has listening to this podcast has grown up in Christian world and and then come out of it or anything like that but yeah that faith journey I'd love to hear just some of that journey from you yeah oh um I'll do headlines. Yeah, yeah, headlines is good. We don't <laughs> have hours. And if you want to dig in. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, I my my parents became Christians when I was a teeny tiny little baby and then my dad became a pastor in the local church. So I grew up a PK in a small little church uh, and I loved it. I ate it for breakfast. Mm. We were at church every weekend, multiple nights during the week. All my friends went to church. I was the kid in kindergarten telling all the other children that Santa wasn't real and Jesus was the reason for the season. Like I was that kid. <laughs> Started the prayer group in high school. Uh, you know, I was always terrified to witness to my friends, but I always made myself, you know, tell people about God and how wonderful God was in my life and all this sort of thing. Mm. And went to every Youth Alive event, went to every conference wasn't allowed to listen to non-Christian music, was hardly allowed to watch TV. So mm. I lived this very, mm. I didn't realise it back then. I thought that I was consecrating myself, like living a very sacred life, uh. but I was in a bit of a bubble. Yeah. And then, you know, up and down, things happen. I went to Bible college at 19, came home, got a job in my local church, got married then my dad took on a bigger church. And then uh, when I was 28, I had a four-month-old baby. Mm. We found out that my dad had been living a double life. Right. And overnight, my whole world changed. Wow. So Jesse and I, we worked at my dad's church. Mm. And 
they lost everything overnight. Wow. They lost their jobs, both of them. Um, the stories that I could tell, and I will one day, mm. but it's probably not the time for that now. Mm. But it was just very eye-opening how yeah. my husband and I got treated, how my mother got treated, yeah. and how all of that happened. But because of my upbringing, I was staying strong. I was keeping the faith. Yeah. I was not being moved. Yeah. So my husband and I put our grief aside. And then a whole lot of other things happened too, personally. But we... We put our grief aside and we, we, you know, were staying the course and we were being positive and we were having faith. And then we got new pastors at our church. And I don't know if it was because we didn't allow ourselves to grieve, if it was leftover trauma. But those couple of years after that were hell on earth. They wow. were 10 times worse than anything we experienced with my dad. And wow. we just found ourselves, we had two tiny little children we were broke. <laughs> yeah. Um, we were exhausted and still more and more was being asked of us every week. And there was a little slogan in our church, this is a family church and all are welcome. And we didn't feel like our family was flourishing. Yeah. And we knew we, we had been asked to tell people that they weren't welcome in the church or even people who got their asses out of bed and came to church on a Sunday morning, we had to say, no, you've got to come again on Sunday night. And then you've got to kind of come again during the week. And then you've got to join a team and you've got to do all this stuff. And we just, we had a couple of moments where we looked at each other and we were like, we're mid thirties. This is going to be the rest of our lives. If we don't make a change now, this is going to be the rest of our lives. And because I'd grown up in it, I was in a bit of a state of shock, I think, looking back. I didn't know what to do. But my husband, Jesse, he became a Christian when he was 21, not long before we got married. I think he had less deprogramming to do. And so he actually quit his job on staff and we were going on a month-long holiday or just like break away. We thought we were coming back. We, we didn't actually set out to deconstruct. We just knew that something wasn't right and we needed a change. So... He quit his job. We packed our kids up in our car. We drove down to Victoria to Maui, which was where, you know, we had family. And on that trip, which is about a 10 to 12 hour drive from where we live, the wheels of our faith fell off. Wow. And by the time Jesse got from, and it's his story, so I won't tell this part of his story on his behalf, but from Central Coast to Maui, He was like, I don't think I even believe in God anymore. And I was just, I wasn't an atheist, but I was like, what the living heck Mm -hmm. is going on? I couldn't fit anything together. Wow. Uh, We never went back. We came back from that holiday. We never went back and we had to rebuild and, and, and figure out our place in the world. And that was, you know, we worked for the church, so we... We needed to find jobs. We needed to, you know, redo our pretty much the whole entire structure of our lives. Everything. Everything. Yeah. So there you go. That's it in a nutshell. (laughs) That's huge. That's that's huge. That is massive. Yeah. A few quick words from the sponsors. The write-up about the Creativity and Spirituality Unit at ACOM, the Australian College of Ministry, says this, For too long within the Christian world, things like creativity, beauty and imagination have been seen as an added-on extra for some folk who might be into those things, an ornamental decorative addition or an illustrative tool for preachers, whereas the things that really matter is the stuff of doctrine, truth and ethics. But this unit dares to ask the question, what if creativity were to take its place alongside those other important 
important things is absolutely integral to one's faith formation. It's a question not just asked within this unit, but intentionally engaged with as students develop their own creative rhythms and reflect on the impact this has upon their spiritual formation. If that sounds good to you, go and have a look at acom.edu.au. Shoot them an email and say you're interested in the creativity and spirituality unit that Joel McCarrow teaches. As part of kind of this season of the deep place, we've been I've been talking the creative journey, um, and kind mm. of relating the creative journey to the narrative journey that all characters go on within stories of like um, being with at home, being in a normal world, and then being cast into mm. the unknown world, uh, and then kind of the movement through that and all the conflict that happens in that etc etc and then the movement then also of coming back home but changed of being able to hold together now or the lessons that you learn on the journey etc etc um you so beautifully shared so like i can just see that narrative theory structure just play out totally in your life as a as a as a main character as a protagonist what i'm what i'm wondering is like then there's the where to from here the kind of movement into what we mm. what we might say act two moves into act three where we're we're coming home where we're um feeling kind of we've we have this holistic integrated uh world that we come back to i'm just wondering what that journey as well has looked like like because it's oh i'm so glad you asked yeah it's yeah. so easy to see the journey of what what you named as deconstruction, which some for those who are listening to the podcast, um, if you've been part of Christian world, you might have heard that term before, deconstruction or disintegration or a, a rearranging of, of faith. So beautifully you described how you were forced into that in many ways, like it was your own choice, but mm. it was the seeing the hypocrisy, seeing, feeling the, yeah, how that affected your family, et cetera. Um, all this to say, where are you now on this movement? What does that look like for you? Yeah. Oh, it's, I'm so glad you asked because it is, you're right. It's easy to stay on the, where the break happened, yeah. you know, yeah. and focus on that. And reintegrating has been a long process, yeah. but a beautiful process. Yeah. And so first we just spent a couple of years sort of talking a lot figuring things out a lot. I mean, we left church 10 years ago mm. and back then there wasn't a lot of people on the internet talking about deconstruction mm. or faith reorienting or all of the wor different words that people talk about. Particularly in Australia, you were either a Christian and in church or you were out of the church and done. Mm. And we found ourselves in this place of, well, what are we now? Mm. And we found a couple of podcasts and a couple of books eventually online that gave us language for what we were going through mm. because before that we had no we had no idea mm. we were like what are we are we ex-church people now what does that mean about our spirituality what does that mean about what we believe and then what do we do with our children and then what do we do with our money and we actually sat down and had this crazy talk where we just said nothing's off the table mm. let's put all our fears all, my husband and I had this conversation. Mm. Let's put all our fears, let's put all our questions that we have for each other on the table. Because I grew up being prophesied over that I was going to marry a man of the ministry, that I would be a preacher at all these different places. And 
we were like, well, what does that mean for our marriage now? Mm. You know, and mm. then growing up thinking Christianity was or knowing God was where your moral compass mm. lived and breathed. And so now that we didn't have this faith structure, we didn't even know what faith structure we had. What did that mean for our moral compass? Mm. You know, did that mean we were going to become terrible, awful people <laughs> doing terrible, awful things? <laughs> and we wow. quickly discovered, no, we're still ourselves and that was like i think that was the beginning yeah when you discover hang on a sec i'm still myself mm. i'm still i'm still this i still love coffee i still love going to the beach i still love all of these different things i'm still me mm. and then after that we, we so we just spent a couple of years throwing back and forth ideas the whole time i had this writing practice of the practice co which really was good therapy yeah. for me in yeah. and of itself yeah just fleshing out ideas of faith and i think because i grew up in christianity it was it was baked into my bones it's the lens that i see the world through i haven't been able to it's probably not the right language i just can't cast it into the sea yeah. and be done yeah <laughs> totally so it's yeah. been really beautiful for me to find some of these old stories in the Bible and reimagine them and do away with some theologies. You know, once you do a bit of study and you realize how they came to be and where they come from, you go, oh, okay, I actually have permission to yeah. throw that away. Oh, I actually don't need permission. Mm. I can do it if, if this isn't serving me, if this isn't helping me be the person I know I am mm. and a, a healthy whole person then I'm allowed to do away with it. And I'm allowed to adopt things that help me become healthy and healed and whole. And then just quickly, I won't, I could talk about this for hours and hours, but you know, you think that when you leave your church or your faith and you do away with it, that everything's just going to become magically better. But it wasn't until I left that I realized how bound uh -huh. and traumatized I was. Wow. And I had battled with chronic health issues for quite a few years. I got so sick at one point. Wow. I was sleeping two hours broken sleep a night. I'd lost so much weight. I was a shell yeah. of a person. My hair was falling out. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all of this sort of stuff. But I think that that is really, that's a really important part of the story to tell. Because I love how you said when you come home. Yeah. I think one of the things of coming home for me was I spent like 30 years of my life projecting an image, being strong, mm. doing the work, mm. towing the line, you know, making hard calls. And when I came home to my body, I, my body was like, girl, <laughs> wow. we, we need a spell. Wow. We, you, you're not as well as what you think you are. And so a lot of it came out through my body. And hmm. So then allowing my body to like detox from all of that quite literally was part of the process. Mm. And then, you know, you begin to learn how to treat your body well and how to allow suppressed emotions and feelings to come up. So I did a lot of mind-body medicine uh, therapy, more and more writing. I think writing in particular mm. is a really good way to express stored and suppressed emotions and feelings and, mm. and trauma in the body so and then to figure out what you think mm. i think when you're talking with somebody i don't know sometimes conversation doesn't allow you the same freedom that journaling does to say whatever you need to say nobody else is going to hear it it's not going to impact anybody you can say 
whatever you want mm. and it's not going to impact anybody except you're going to feel a release in your own heart and spirit yeah and so allowing myself to go through those journeys to ask questions to read i fell in love with rumi yay who is a sufi mystic yeah. and of course growing up in Pentecostal Christianity, oh, geez, you don't read Rumi. You could get a devil if you read Rumi, you know? So, and it sounds silly to say as a, I turned 40 in July, but as a, you know, yeah. middle-aged woman, but it was a big deal to allow myself to start reading these people that I connected with on such a deep level spiritually, yeah. but was never allowed to when I was within the structure of that faith. Mm. So giving yourself constant permission, giving your body room to rest, uh, taking off the onion layers of silly theologies that when you think about where were they taking you and what were they doing, what good were they doing in the world, what good were they doing for you, and then allowing yourself to have some freaking fun. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. I don't know what else to say. I feel like I'm talking too much. No, no, but... no. It's beautiful. I mean, one, it's such an honour to hear your story. I think anyone who is willing to share, not just like you weren't just sharing your story, you were sharing the impact that it had upon you in ways that is really hard to, um, like we'd much rather ignore all those ways. Oh, and I yeah. think you you allow yourself to name what needs to be named to confront those things that need to be confronted so that you can move forward in health in in holistic integrated health with those um it's so beautiful to hear and then also beautiful in terms of bringing it back into the creativity. Mm. Um, we've really gone into kind of the spiritual side of if this is the deep place on creativity <laughs> and spirituality, we've gone into spirituality a, mm. a lot um, in this in this um, podcast episode together, which is wonderful. I'm wondering now to, to bring it into creativity because this, as you said, your writing practice has been one of the beautiful healing things mm. and this, this, this season on... The deep place we're looking at the creative journey and part of that we're looking at is how do we go deep into the deep places inside and all that has happened and then also how do we translate those um, out into the world in ways that people can actually engage with um, and uh, how do we play that out in our creative practice so i'm what i'm wondering is could you talk to us about how this like the the deepness of all that you have gone through uh which sounds like some like spiritually traumatic stuff and that deeply impacted your physicality and uh, who you are relationally, etc. Could you just tell us a little bit about your creative practice through this time of the journey that you've shared and how that, like, how do you, I suppose, to help those people who are like, I want to go deep in my creative practice. I don't want to just kind of bleed everywhere all over the world, though. Um, how do you both go deep but also bring it out into the world? What's your tell talk to us about your creative oh, practice goodness. in all this? If well, that makes I think sense. there's for any creative, there's a, a point I think where you come to creatively. Uh, maybe I'll just go back. I only know how to tell it through my story. So I think my creativity okay. up until I left the church, I'd always been a, a writer, I'd always written stories and 
dabbled in a little bit of poetry, mm. Joel, but not very good. Um, <laughs> I played piano for a I love playing the piano. I'm absolutely no good. And everybody huh. thinks when I play the piano, they're like, oh, yeah. Liz is angry. That's how I sound. But I actually, <laughs> I actually feel so happy. <laughs> When I play piano, they're like, stay it. away. I'm just She's picturing the piano. you pounding, <laughs> pounding those keys. Everything's in minor chords because I love that. Oh, my yeah. God. That's like my, must be the vibe. That's the, where my body vibrates in on minor chords because any minor yeah. chord anywhere in anything, I'm like, oh, that felt good. So I think yeah, nice. up until, you know, deconstruction or leaving church, all of that experience, my creativity was really, mm. I thought, well, God's given me th this gift for a purpose and this purpose has got to be this. And so I tried to fit it into all these different boxes. Mm. I think we did a live together on my Instagram uh, last week and we talked about, mm. I loved this part of our conversation, how we realized that mm. in reimagining our faiths on our different journeys, we both connected with Celtic spirituality in a deep and real way. Mm. And growing up, I... Mm -hmm could not get enough of Celtic mythology, uh, historical Celtic fiction, all of that sort of stuff. And mm. I remember turning 18, 19, it was when I went to Bible college and I thought I've really got to put these childish things away so that I can do grown-up, mm. mature, godly stuff. And so for a long time, my creativity oh, so sad. so sad. <laughs> but yeah. I thought I was doing the right thing. I, was, I thought, well, these are the funnels yeah. that I need to pour myself into creatively. So I'm going to twist myself up and fold myself into pieces and tear bits off wow. so that I can wow. do what is required of me. So a lot of my creative wow. process has been learning how to just do it because it's mine to do. And there's this balance between, I find, because I think the question that you're asking too is, how do you know what to post? How do you know what to keep, what to put out? Mm. What is a journaling piece mm -hmm. that you don't show anybody? Or what is a piece that you can share? Mm. And I think you can only, you begin to know that by doing it. And you can only learn mm. on the job <laughs> creatively. You've mm. got to give things a try. You've mm. got to take a leap of faith. You've got to trust a little bit and then a little bit more and then a little bit more and then you've got to learn what works and what doesn't and when but then you've got to redefine well what does it mean when something works because just because something goes mm. viral on the internet doesn't mean that that was an authentic creative expression of your soul and yeah. then just because a piece yeah. doesn't go viral on the internet doesn't mean that it wasn't an authentic uh, creative expression of yeah. your soul and so part of that process for me has been connecting back into my body, learning how to read. Because wow. our bodies are so intelligent. Our bodies know what's up. Mm. Our bodies are designed to keep us safe, uh, to keep us healthy, to keep us connected to other people, to life and all of these different things. Our bodies pick up on so many cues before our minds do. So learning how to, and it's, it's a work in progress, constantly, always and forever, of learning how to connect into your body and listening for those signs. And so sometimes for me, because I do write a lot and I have to admit, I hate wasting writing because I don't have a lot of time just to write, write, write all the time. But I think when you learn to start connecting into yourself, you you know, oh, this piece, this is a me, this is for me. Or this piece, I've written mm. it. I'm going to take out names, <laughs> places, 
all the murderous yeah. things that I've yeah. written in there about other people. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, you just know there's something good here. You can feel a connection and an energy to it and then you can work on that a little bit. But I think self-permission is a big part of it. And then learning to mm. not rely on the praise of others. Because, I mean, if we're only ever creating for the praise of others, our creative expression mm. is going to live and die on the backs of what people say, which is no way to live creatively. That's how you get yourself bound up. On how many likes we get. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, yeah. That's wonderful to hear. I'm loving that you, like I asked you about writing and you went straight to body, <laughs> which I love that. I, I love that most of the time if we talk creative process of writing, we're not talking physicality, we're talking our, our creative muscles of, of imagination, of um, all that kind of stuff. But I love that you, because it's something that we... You know, I think it's yeah. often something we run from. And like you said, part of your journey has been coming home. And it's part of your, has been coming home to your body. It's part of your spiritual journey coming home to your body. But it sounds like it's part of yes. your creative journey as yeah. well. Because maybe of that holistic nature that we are, that a coming home to oneself is kind of whether we like it or not, it's coming home to our creative self, to our spiritual self, to our relational self, to our physical self. Um, well, I'm wondering, you said coming home to your physical self wasn't actually a, a pretty thing to begin with. Was a heart really like you hard. had to... Yeah. What's been the... What's, what's the process? Like, what's been the... How do you come... How do you come home to yourself within your life within your creativity how do you come home to your physical self like what's those rhythms so I think like? that's what I'm asking it could be different for everybody too but for me it was shedding some of those false narratives we talked about narrative a little bit earlier mm. and I had allowed my body mm. to become a character in a in somebody else's story in this story that didn't have wow. my goodness at heart and Allowing myself to understand, to face the truth of that uh, was a really big part of it. To, to go, you, you know, often when you're involved, it doesn't have to just be church, but any kind of culture that demands a lot of you physically, there has to come a reckoning point where you take note of what's happening in your body. Mm. Am I sick all the time? Am I, is my mind mm. worrying? Am I sleeping? What What is going on? Because I think those are all cues that something isn't quite right. I mean... Let me back it up a little bit. I'm not a good sleeper and I have anxiety. I'm never going to sleep like 10, 12 hours a night. So I'm not, I'm yeah. not saying perfection, but just noticing yeah. those signs of wear and tear on your body that maybe I'm not in the right place and then allowing yourself to believe it. And then for me, particularly because I'm, well, maybe not particularly because I'm a woman, but just because I am a woman, that's my experience. But... Growing yeah. up in the church, being told that my body is evil, that I cannot trust my heart, wow. that, you know, yeah. if I dress wrong or act wrong, I could stir up desires in other people that could get me in a whole lot of trouble. Like having that kind of a relationship with your body, for me, coming home to myself has been facing all of those, you know, wrong narratives and rewriting them 
Yeah. And so practically, I've spent a lot of time looking at myself in the mirror, which is, it sounds really weird, but mirror work has been really confronting for me because I've had, uh, you know, body image issues ever since I was a child. But looking at myself in the mirror and practice loving what I see, practice speaking to my body as if she was a person. Because, I mean, I think for me too, growing up Mm. in evangelical Pentecostalism, there's an idea that your body is just a shell so that your body isn't really who you are. Your body is a tool to be used up. But my body is is me, my cells, Mm. my blood, my bones, my skin, my hair. They they hold information that is a part of who I am, that I need to listen to, that Mm. I can talk to itself. So learning that my body is a person, that my body is me, I am Mm. my body and we are one, Mm. we are the one person and my body isn't just a tool. Mirror work has been really Mm. good for that. Actually looking at my body, practicing, speaking to it. There was a time there when my insomnia was so bad when I was coming out of it, I would literally hold my body at night and instead of cursing it when you feel like you want to, when you're sick, like, oh, my body's just not, I would hold it and I would say, Mm. I love you, I'm here, I'm so sorry that we're going through this, but we're going to come out of it. Whatever you need, I've got you. Like, So instead of speaking to yourself in all of these ways that you've been trained to, really diligently and affectionately um, taking hold of those narratives, the way you speak Mm. to yourself, the way you speak about yourself, and then learning not just in my head but in my actual self that my body is wonderful, Mm. that my body isn't just a tool Mm. to be used up so that when I die, I'm just going to leave it behind on this earth and go to heaven and not worry about it. Um, You know, actually doing the work of shedding those bad beliefs, but then replacing them with really good, holistic, healthy messages for my body. And going to therapy has been a huge part of that for me. And there's no, I would just say to Mm. anybody, there's no shame in doing that. You go to the doctor when you've got a sore foot. (laughs) Go to therapy when your heart doesn't know how to connect to your mind well or whatever the reason it is, it's all helpful and it's all good. It's all for your growth and becoming. There's so many, there's so many wonderful things in there. What I'm loving, what I'm hearing as well, um, you're reconnecting to to your body is a reconnecting to your sensual and sexual self as well, uh, which yeah. my guess is, being that I grew up in similar culture, though different to yours, um, the body was, mm. uh, especially in terms of sensuality, sexuality, like sexuality was always only something that would happen when you are in married relationship um like on the mar- then you can start thinking or engaging at all with sexuality um and, and so that meant yeah. that anything sexual or sensual was back in those cultures was a sinful thing was is how it was often seen and so part of my own journey yeah. has been similar working through my own physicality and coming to love um, my own physicality and, and part of that then has been embracing my own um, embracing pleasure 
like embracing sensuality oh, and mm. and that link yeah. links so wonderfully to creativity because creativity is all about the senses and the sensorial yeah. and I one of the um one of the exercises that I would always give my creativity students um at various times back in the day and still these days is to go and eat an orange like you were eating it for the first time, letting it drip down your mouth and engaging all your five senses with it to have an orgasmic sensual experience with <laughs> with an orange, just that practice. And yeah. it was amazing the resistance that would come up, but then amazing in people, in students. But then as they went, I would say, you can go do this when no one can see you so you can have that orgasmic experience. <laughs> but... um. <laughs> <laughs> amazing then their reflections afterward the freedom that it brought them like oh I've never allowed myself to feel this I wonder if you can speak into that kind of pleasure sensual senses that kind of stuff yeah I mean I think it, it's such a great point isn't it growing up in church you're not allowed to have sex you're not allowed to experience whenever you experience any of those sort of urgings towards any kind of pleasure you have to analyze it critique it uh, you're taught to look at it very judgmentally and critically. And use the Bible as, and a, so, as a shield against those evil sexual thoughts or whatever. Yes. And then it, by some miracle, everybody thinks that when you get married and you can have sex, it's all just going to work, which is <laughs> <laughs> just wild. Um, it's just, it doesn't make any sense mm. now that, I, I mean, it does when you're in it, but out of it. I think giving yourself permission mm has been giving myself permission has been the biggest thing mm. allowing myself to enjoy my own body mm. uh how you know i enjoy my body and my husband's body all of those very sensual intimate moments yeah. but also like you said i love watching tv right yeah, yeah. <laughs> love a good tv series Great. I love zombie shows and movies. <laughs> and I used to feel really guilty because wow. I'd be like, this is a waste of time. Yeah. I'm not doing anything. Yeah. This is gratuitous. It's so selfish. Uh -huh. Now I just freaking let myself watch zombies whenever I want. But um, How do we get from orgasms to zombies so quickly? No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's my brain. Um but any kind of pleasure, yeah. anything that you enjoy doing, anything that helps you show up to life, yeah. I think, is so important creatively, moving your body. And, and dance, I love, you wrote a piece in, uh, for the Practice Co-op mm. last week about dance, mm. and that piece I've gotten so much feedback about. But even wow. for myself, I think dancing is one of those things that we judge ourselves a lot for. Mm. We, we either think of ourselves as a dancer or not a dancer. Mm. But everybody enjoys a good dance. Yeah, yeah. But I think those sort of ideas of am I good at this, am I going to make a fool of myself, am I humiliating, blah, 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 can really inhibit our experience of that kind of freedom and yeah. pleasure. And I think that's what we're talking about here, yeah. giving ourselves permission, no matter what it looks like, sounds like, no matter if we think it's socially acceptable mm to enjoy what we enjoy mm. and also to discover, to figure out what we enjoy, mm. to not let it be so prescriptive. Mm. Maybe we enjoy uh, flower arranging. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we enjoy reading. Well, I never really realized how much I enjoyed reading poetry either mm. until I left the church and 
started allowing myself to spend more time gratuitously, selfishly, delving into all of these things. And then I realized, man, half the Bible's freaking poetry. I've been reading it wrong. Yeah, yeah. You know, when you start to realize and when you allow yourself to enjoy what you enjoy and to find out what you enjoy and to have a little renaissance about it. But in that too, I would say communicating and talking about things and really pushing shame aside yeah. has been a big part of it for me. Because yeah. it sounds like fun. Oh, go and find what you find pleasurable and then allow yourself to experience it. Yeah. But there's a lot of, like you said, resistance yeah. that people have to work through to, you know, when we're talking about sexual intimacy with a partner, to allow yourself to talk about that with your partner. But then, you know, you move from that into things that you really enjoy, how you like to move your body, what you like to eat, what you do yeah. for rest, yeah. like allowing yourself with no shame mm. to explore, to talk, to keep those communication lines open with the people that you are responsible for, mm. that are responsible for you, that you are connected with, to keep it all flowing and healthy. I love that you reframed, um, like that you came back to stories, the poetry in the Bible, yeah. to, and recognised <laughs> that actually it was contemporary for you, charismatic or Pentecostal culture, and for me, contemporary evangelical culture in my upbringing, that actually stripped that stuff out of the Bible. Like the Bible is Absolutely. actually full of like um, the Song of Songs is erotic literature, like it's erotic, blatant erotic mm. poetry. Um, and yeah. And yet we so stripped that sensual, like I just think... If if God is anything, God is just sensual, like oh, absolutely. So. Well, it's it's the it's all about connectivity. Yeah. And so I think for me, that's what it comes back to time and time again is that connectivity, that sense of oneness of I am my own autonomous person, mm. but then I'm connected to everything, yeah. and it's that feeling of connectivity to me that is pleasurable whether it be mm -hmm. you know making love with my husband or um, laughing with my children mm. or walking on the beach at twilight up here at the moment the sky is just mm. all pinks and blues and turquoise and you feel that sense of just like your body could melt onto the ground right, mm. right where you were mm. and that song of songs is that poetry of ultimate connectivity mm. being as close with somebody and with life itself as you possibly could be mm. and yeah i found the same thing as you modern christianity what it what it was turned into completely strips it of that wonder yeah. and sanitizes it yeah. you know This has been so wonderful. We're going to come into land now. Um, I'm I'm wondering if you could share with people, what did you need to hear? Like, what did you need to hear when you were going through this that perhaps you didn't hear? That people who are listening, who are going through their own kind of, um, their own journey of deconstruction, of um, challenging and finding that challenging kind of the upbringing that they've had, the absolutes that they had, the um, that what was a firm foundation is now crumbling and they don't know where they fit with it and they don't know what's coming in the future and their their creativity 
I find creativity enhances the crumbling. It doesn't bring firm foundations. It uh, it helps the crumbling to crumble so that perhaps in a very uh, cliche thing, a mosaic can be created out of the crumbled pieces. But I'm just wondering what I for those that. people for those people who are who are there now, like in the thick of it, what did you need to hear that you didn't hear that maybe you could say to them just to bring us in to, to land on this? It's going to sound cliche because it always does, yep. but I needed to hear nobody's coming to rescue you. Hmm. You don't need rescuing. You don't need a saviour. Hmm. You on your own are enough. You are capable you are strong. You don't have to do anything. You can rest. You are enough. Mm. I think growing up, I never heard those words from spiritual authority, people in spiritual authority. My parents are beautiful people, but, you know, even in their parenting, that wasn't how you parented, mm. you know. The idea of always needing to be rescued, always needing a saviour, always not being enough on my own, waiting for somebody else to show up, not to sweep me off my feet, but to fill in all the gaps, to give me permission, to make me feel okay. I think essentially I grew up completely codependent and unable to make a decision for myself about myself. Mm. And so learning to have agency and that it doesn't need to impress anybody it doesn't need to please anybody i don't need to put on a performance mm. i don't need rescuing i just need to be myself to show up do what i can do when it's time to do it rest when it's time to rest accept and allow accept and allow mm. so for me learning those things this last decade has been incredibly healing. That's beautiful. What a wonderful way to finish up this conversation. Thank you for um, opening up your story to us, your creative story and your spiritual story and how those have come together. It's I'm sure that it's going to help a lot of people who are on a similar journey um, to to hold, be able to hold together. Like, like you said at one point, it's so easy just to throw it all out. Like it's so easy to throw out the upbringing that we had and get rid of it, discard it all. But actually what I see in your story is a, a beautiful, to use an old Christian term that is worthy to be reframed, I just see such beautiful redemption. Like you are redeeming, you, you are redeeming what has been traumatic and you are finding the goodness and the beauty in it and the um you're just allowing it to be part of you even the not even the non-beautiful thing like you I I just want to honor you for your ability Aww. to hold to hold these things together because as it's not an easy journey it's not an easy journey and we both of us acknowledge that as we finish this it's it's <laughs> It's not an easy... Oh, thank yeah. you, Joel. You're very generous and kind. Thank you very thank much. Thank <laughs> you for being on here and sharing your wonderful wisdom. It's been terrific. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah.